0: I've, I've thought for a long time that uh, Annie sucks, so.
1: Yeah. Well, see, like, I am of two minds because I grew up loving the 1999 version, but Same. also when you, yeah, yeah. The superior version, as as we'll get into.
0: Victor Garber alone. Yes. He, he is a perfect
1: human. Okay, and you'll like him even more after this.
0: Part of my emotional love of Annie is because I was in a production of Annie in middle school, so. You were? oh man guess who i played guess who i played
1: uh an orphan no grace
0: grace yeah you played grace Grace? oh that's great Ah,
1: that's so cute oh my god i wasn't in a production of annie but my, my middle school did do one and um it is so interesting like the annie jr is such an interesting time because you have kids that are the same age playing parents like the orphans versus
0: yeah um our, daddy warbucks. our choir only had one boy in it and he was <laughs> not a very talented singer so he could not take the role of daddy warbucks so daddy warbucks in our production was played by a girl in a bald cap so i love that she and i had to really lean into our sexual chemistry <laughs> <laughs> that's Uh,
1: uh, uh, uh. i love that yeah that's great um we did have more boys in our school's production of it but like were they good i don't know i mean i guess they were fine i don't want to trash them on the air here but (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) if you're listening thank uh... you (laughs) yeah thank you for engaging in theater Anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
0: More boys in theater for for sure, especially on like middle school and high school level. I feel like society discourages them from taking an interest in that. And it's like theater is so fun and so is choir and like all that stuff. So,
1: yeah. And also, if you're a boy in a school that doesn't have a lot of boys in theater, that's like a guaranteed lead role. Exactly. Consider it
0: except for the one kid from my school
1: <laughs> yeah no, that should be so bad that you are the only boy in the choir and he was just the a role.
0: soprano he was like a it was it wasn't that he was a bad singer it was just that he was a soprano because uh, you know a youngin a youngin so we had to find a girl to do the daddy warbucks who had a little bit of a deeper voice
1: middle school's a weird time <laughs>
0: Um, I feel like this was maybe my favorite memory of middle school was the Annie production. So it's ironic that I've grown to hate it so much in my adult life. <laughs>
1: well, the question: Did you have an actual dog playing Sandy, or was it a, a human in a dog costume? Um.
0: Okay, so I will trash this person on air. Um. It was <laughs> probably like I don't want to say weirdest, but I want to say weirdest. <laughs> A kid in my choir, and it wasn't weird because, like, he was just inappropriate in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, just like, have you ever been around someone who's just like too much in your personal space and like, yes, touchy in a way that's like uncomfortable? It was just like that. He, I mean, I hope he's doing well nowadays, but back then he was like a little intimidating just because he was like very uh, in your face all the time yeah
1: yeah he seems like the kind of person that would really enjoy playing a dog
0: yeah he got too into it that was part of it was he was like (laughs) way into it he got really into character
1: (laughs) i we had a person in a dog costume too i mean that's i guess the more obvious answer to that question because you, you you're not gonna have an animal on stage in a middle school production because you, you need you need an animal trainer for that kind of thing. That's that's uh someone's house pet isn't gonna do so great with like the <laughs> stage lights and everything.
0: In the full audience.
1: Yeah, like that dog would just run off the stage. That that would be terrifying because they wouldn't know what's going on. So a human in a dog costume is is unfortunately the way to go.
0: <laughs> just the way the the same way that when you do this as a middle school uh you have adults playing or children playing adults.
1: <laughs> children in bald caps.
0: Children in bald caps. Dancing and... around
1: with like a, a a girl a year or two younger than them dancing around on his shoes.
0: Oh, the the one boy from my choir did get a pretty sick part, which is Rooster. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would rather play Rooster than Daddy Warbucks. Oh yeah, Rooster's fun rooster
1: and miss hannigan and lily saint regis are the characters to play in that musical no offense grace is also a great character. yeah
0: i really i was so stoked to play grace i was very excited about it of course i auditioned originally for annie because everyone auditions for annie like everybody's got that dream
1: yeah everyone <laughs> was, goes for the gold
0: but uh grace was my second choice so i was very happy to take that role yeah because I I always wanted to seem sophisticated like for my entire childhood I wanted to appear as though I were like too sophisticated for everything so Grace was really like the role that I was like yes I'm gonna get to play an adult career woman (laughs) Yes, I'm gonna kill it um yeah I was stoked about it
1: yeah. Oh my God.
0: It's funny that uh, I used to chase a dream of sophistication. And nowadays I haven't been out of sweatpants in about 17 <laughs> days. So <laughs> you're uh, a
1: career woman now. <laughs> this uh, is what being a career woman means in
0: 2020. Yeah. <laughs> career woman who works from home in her sweaties and her dirty hair.
1: Yep. So um, when I started researching this, uh, doing like my preliminary wikipedia search and whatnot it was a russian doll of links because i didn't realize how far back this went uh i went to, to the page for the 1982 movie and it said based on the 1977 broadway musical which duh so i clicked on that and then that link said based on the comic strip which you know i knew that of course so then i clicked that link and then it said based on the 1885 poem little orphaned annie and Then that was the end of it. But then there was like offshoots from all of those of different things, Annie things. And so I guess, you know, there's versions of Annie out there, sequels, weird things that nobody wants that, you know, I might not get too into those, but there's just a lot to cover. So I'm going to focus on on the big ones. Starting with Little Orphant Annie. (laughs) I I, I think it's just spelled orphaned because of the dialect that it's written in because it was written in 1885 by james whitcomb riley who was known as the hoosier poet and it was written in kind of a old midwesternish dialect you know the hoosier dialect that was kind of what we consider now to be a midwestern accent but also influenced by the a southern dialect uh, probably because it was people who had migrated from the south to places like indiana so it was written in that kind of way. But if you if you read it in a southern accent, it would make sense. And so uh, the inspiration for this story slash poem was an orphan named Mary Alice Smith, who is nicknamed Allie. And Allie was orphaned when she was young, and her uncle kept her and w- and bound her out. So from what I understood that to mean, rent- rented her out oh God. to earn her keep. Yeah, oh, not, good. not, not, I'm not talking about human trafficking. I, I I'm, i mean, like, as a servant, uh, oh, not, yeah. not good.
0: It's still, still not good. Still not good. That's I do not want to give
1: you the wrong idea here.
0: Either way, messed up. But yeah. I guess, uh, if you're cleaning houses versus, uh, being a sex slave or something horrible, I guess cleaning houses wins.
1: It's preferable by, by, uh, by a slim mark. <laughs> um, yeah. Or maybe more than a slim margin, uh, but...
0: Depends on um, how much you hate cleaning a house. <laughs>
1: that, that is true, that
0: uh, is true. Zilla uh,
1: seems uh,
0: traumatic for a child, perhaps. Yes, very. servant
1: of any kind. Or um, to
0: just be loaned out to feel like you have to earn your keep in a house.
1: Yeah, to not have your basic necessities provided for you, because, you know... Kids deserve rights. They didn't choose to be born. So James Whitcomb Riley's parents took her in as a servant to help with chores and childcare to earn her board there, uh, which was not too out of the ordinary for the time. But they also considered her part of the family. She just did chores alongside the family. So she wasn't so much their servant as in she was doing the work for them. She was doing the work with them. So That's better.
0: That's more like yeah. a normal family yeah, type of so she, situation. Right,
1: so she was just kind of um, more or less adopted into the family, but, you know, whether it was actually like that in practice, who's to say? This is, you know, the accounts that we have. But at night, she would read Riley and his siblings, or not read them, she she would tell Riley and his siblings stories by the fire, and the poem is basically just... The various stories she'd tell to them, and with the moral always being behave and listen to your parents. And uh, when the poem was originally published, it was under the name "The Elf Child," and I didn't quite understand why it was called that. Um, no one seems to be an elf in it, but whatever. Uh, but it was later renamed to "Little Orphan Allie. But there was a typo when it was printed, and it was printed as Little Orphaned Annie. Still with the T in orphaned.
0: Um, (laughs) Wonderful. I love that her name literally comes from, like, somebody who was printing it was like, eh, go with it. Yeah, Yeah. Annie now.
1: (laughs) And that's what became famous. (laughs) Annie became famous because of that.
0: It would be like if I ever got famous as Kristen. I would be like, well, (laughs) it is what it is.
1: I guess this might as well happen. Uh, (laughs) Uh, So this brings me to now the comic strip, Little Orphan Annie. Same name, just without the weird T and orphan. Uh, And so this version was only loosely inspired by the poem. Basically just the name. The rest of it is different. It's not really related to that. I think what happened, based on what I gathered, is that the inspiration was actually... The creator Harold Gray was walking around Chicago looking for inspiration for a comic strip and ran into this ragamuffin girl named Annie who uh kind of looked out for herself and could, you know, fend for her own and and was inspired by that and thought he wa- he wanted to make a uh adventure story kind of thing but he noticed that you know all of them were boys and so he wanted to make one that starred a girl, but conclusion I drew from that is that he met an orphan named Annie, wanted to make a comic strip about her, and the concept of little orphaned Annie was already kind of in the the lexicon of people, the zeitgeist, or whatever, and so he just kind of adopted that name for the comic.
0: It's also interesting that to write an adventure story about a girl, he had to make her an orphan because if she had parents, they would be Uh, more scrupulous about her behavior
1: exactly yeah that's that that is he made her an orphan so she could get into more adventures because she wouldn't be tied to a family she was just kind of a vagabond but and that's actually it was inspired by the picaresque novels that were popular in europe way back in the day and it's a type of fiction that shows the various adventures of a roguish and rascally protagonist usually of a low social class that has to kind of have street smarts to get by. Um, and usually, this is an adult man in, in traditional picaresque novels. I might not be pronouncing that right, it's a Spanish word. So, he just kind of took that concept and made it a little orphan girl in New York City, originally in the 20s, because it was originally published in 1924 and it ran all the way until 2010. But it got it that is
0: took impressive,
1: many twists and turns before that and kind of the look the iconic look of little orphan annie is that she has a curly red mop of hair she's usually wearing a red dress and with gray's art style everyone had white ovals for eyes with no pupils it's just
0: horrifying big, oh,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah but it weirdly became iconic They're dead eyes oh. they are <laughs> They're like they're they're demon eyes. That's that's something that happens in an exorcism. So I I don't know. It was a choice on his part. So aside from Annie, the main recurring characters are Daddy Warbucks, who is a big businessman and kind of just the human personification of capitalism. He's Annie's benefactor, but Annie never really commits to staying with him permanently because she's just kind of too rascally or something she usually just is wandering and it seems like sometimes she's at the orphanage sometimes she's staying with daddy warbucks it's you know
0: she can't be tamed yeah
1: exactly and there's just not a lot of continuity in it so it's like for a while there were there were daily comics and then sunday funnies and initially the sunday funnies and the the daily comics weren't continuous or coherent with each other so it's it didn't really have a necessarily coherent storyline. It was just kind of the various adventures at various points in time. The other most frequent character is Sandy the Dog, who is introduced in 1925 and is eventually always right by Annie. Uh, he becomes her right-hand man,
0: he, uh, and he's the best character. I was going to say, he is the heart and soul of this is Sandy.
1: Yeah, and he's the only character that I don't, hate in some way in terms of the comic because i'll get into it but and just there's several other minor recurring characters and these are where it gets especially interesting so so first of all instead of miss hannigan like in the musical the orphanage lady is (laughs) her name is miss
0: asthma oh my god (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a very bizarre beauty competition. <laughs> Miss Asthma, presented yeah. by Adbear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just—it was so funny. I've spent too long laughing about this when I read it. Uh,
0: <laughs> Why? Why was that her name? I
1: have no idea. I, it wasn't clear to me because she's not a super frequent character. But later, the orphanage lady was changed to mistreat, as in a play on the word mistreat. Oh, uh, I hate that. I hate yeah, it. Not fantastic. But she—I don't think she was a drunk like Miss Handigan kind of is, and at least the musical less so the Kathy Bates version mm-hmm. but with warbox they there's these, he has these two right-hand men which are Punjab an 8-foot tall Indian man and the Asp and the Asp is a very general East Asian man really just unspecified East Asian
0: he and doesn't have a real name he, they he's literally just the Asp the asp, asp.
1: I looked, I looked pretty hard for like just more information on the. Like, is that his name? The asp is asp a word I don't know about. Is it a racial slur? I don't know. I was about? gonna I say, is
0: d- asp a slur? A slur we've never heard before because that would yeah. be horrible.
1: Oh, I couldn't find anything on it, uh, so I was very confused by that. But I did find a little bit more information on Punjab because Punjab is in the 1982 movie, and so I was. I had watched that movie before I did the research on the comic and so I was already intrigued by Punjab. I was like who and why and <laughs>
0: <laughs> and for how first, long
1: yeah for Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Punjab was first introduced in 1935 and th- that is when the comic strip went from purely, you know, realism as in taking place in the current real world to including things that are kind of supernatural and cosmic and because punjab seems to have magic powers for some reason Uh,
0: i did not know any of this i didn't know that it was ever not like explicitly realistic i never knew there were supernatural elements to this
1: yeah and not just supernatural elements there's also weird espionage plots it's it's weird and there's also this character called Mr. Am who is kind of this jovial white bearded guy kind of Santa Claus like but then in some iterations of the comic he is implied to be god so um he's just kind of a friend of Daddy Warbucks so like Daddy Warbucks is friends with god
0: slash oh, Santa Claus god and capitalism are buddies
1: yeah um right it's interesting
0: it's weird
1: really really weird Um, very
0: strange but i i i I wish i had known this honestly it's pretty i don't know it's cool to me to think about it yeah
1: it, it is it is weirdly cool
0: but that
1: i can't quite you know explain why he chose to include a character that is kind of god (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but I can't explain Punjab and the Asp, and my explanation for this is just classic Orientalism. You know, let's just like yeah. throw in some
0: Here we are again. Asian
1: characters. <laughs> yeah, it always comes back to racism.
0: It's like when you need a mystical element. Oh, let me uh, see which cultures I can exploit and mix together to make what I need.
1: Yeah. The other thing about the comic strip is that it was... Very political. Gray was anti-New Deal, anti-Union, pretty wow, liberal. shocker. <laughs> uh, he's pretty libertarian and so very anti-communist. And he made that very known in the comics. Um, additionally, he was against child labor laws, which I thought was a oh, wild good. take. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Um, he thought that kids should be at work and not causing a ruckus in the streets.
0: Oh yes, you know what I always say. These kids are making too much noise, having fun. Put them in the factories to work. <laughs> uh, what a yeah. what a great guy. Yeah, I
1: honestly hate him. Um, <laughs>
0: he's the worst. Yeah, I really hate anyone who's an advocate for child labor. <laughs> right? Like he 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 really uh, and not loves- even like. An advocate for child labor for like, you know, if a family is starving, why don't we let everyone contribute to the financial goal? It's these kids are bugging me. Get them to work. (laughs) (laughs) Worst possible reasoning. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So he just in general tried to emphasize hard work as a way to prosperity. And a lot of people didn't like this during the Great Depression because Grey himself was doing really well in the 30s. It was a really good time for the comic strip. There was also a radio show during this time of Little Orphan Annie that I'm not going to get too much into because it's pretty much just a radio version of the comics. It's not a lot different.
0: I only know about the radio show because of the uh, Christmas story.
1: Yeah. Because he
0: wants his Orphan Annie decoder ring so that he can solve the riddle or whatever. But that's the only reason I even know of the radio show.
1: I completely forgot about that. I have never seen a Christmas story in its entirety all at once. I've no one I only seen it in parts. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the, the nature of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, see, they have a decoder ring because there's weird espionage plots so, there you go <laughs>
0: uh,
1: <laughs> proof <laughs> there is the proof and so, he he's financially doing just fine in the 30s while most of America is having a hard time, and so people were kinda eh, you know, it wasn't that popular of an opinion to be anti New Deal that much and so, his politics were so apparent and kinda Almost notorious, you could say, that in 1935, none other than the Herald Dispatch of Huntington, West Virginia, in a bold move, stopped running Little Orphan Annie and published an editorial on the front page explaining why. And it's basically just rebuking his politics. Ooh, Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, and uh, bigger publications, like national publications, praised them for this in their own editorials. They said, this was a good move. And so this got national attention. And so th- this excites us, dear listeners, because we're from West Virginia. West Virginians foam at the mouth anytime we're mentioned, anywhere, anytime.
0: If you've ever so. seen a uh, Jennifer Garner interview where she talks about West Virginia, we're all like that. It's all. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so th- this is also fascinating. In addition to just being exciting to us because it's locally interesting, it's also fascinating because West Virginia at this point was very pro-FDR and pro-Union.
0: I was going to say, uh, West Virginia, for other reasons other than Annie, are at this time very pro union. So having yeah. an anti union, anti FDR comic strip would make zero sense to anybody who's in West Virginia at that time. Yeah.
1: Very unpopular. And, you know, like I've heard stories of people back in the day having framed pictures of FDR in their home next to their framed picture of Jesus. So. <laughs> oh. He was he was well liked. The the New Deal was a popular thing in West Virginia. So that that just makes complete sense. Just a couple more things about the comics I wanna point out before we, you know, move on to the musical. During World War II, Gray was very supportive of the Allied forces even before the US entered the war. But once they did enter the war, he had Annie blow up a German submarine because for Hell some yes. reason <laughs> Annie does that. <laughs> uh. I, I don't know. I, I didn't look into too specific details of why she blew up a submarine, or how she had access to explosives. I a lot of questions, but she, she did that. And then she organized a group called the Junior Commandos, who collected scrap metal for the war effort, and she called herself Colonel Annie.
0: Aw, Colonel Annie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which, in turn, inspired schools to set up their own Junior Commando units. And so it was... You know, it it sparked a very popular movement to get kids kind of involved in the war effort for morale's sake.
0: I bet this guy had another reason for being uh, on board with the war, though. Since he literally named one of the main characters War Bucks. Like, obviously he sees the uh, financial gains from being in a war like this.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about the name being War Bucks. Yeah, no, I think um, he does. There is some implication that Warbucks makes money off of tanks and things like that. <laughs> uh, but in addition to that, the other thing is that scrap metal campaigns of kids, you know, cr- collecting scrap metal and stuff weren't actually helpful in terms of the metal. Because recycling, um, there weren't really a lot of machines available, easily available at the time to repurpose scrap materials into new things. So these campaigns weren't actually that useful, but it was praised for producing morale, which was very important during World War II. America really was very strong with the the propaganda campaigns and things like that.
0: Right. Especially because of film and radio and all of this popular media at the time really backing the war effort. That's, like, across the board where efforts were increased by celebrities and media, so yeah. it's not surprising that Annie would be a part of that and that she would specifically target kids to get them involved.
1: Yeah, and so this was pretty in line with, like, the general U.S. vibe, but uh, there, <laughs> there was this thing, um, I wasn't gonna include this, but it is pretty funny, where Grey thought that because he did this he should be rewarded with gas vouchers um and he said he needed them because he wanted to you know drive around the country and get more comic inspiration but they said no you you don't get that sorry buddy
0: like no we are just encouraging people to do their part we're not going to single you out yeah uh and give you gas vouchers
1: (laughs) and the person who told him no whose name was flack he vented in the comic about this guy and renamed him flank or something and just you know made fun of him and whatever and he got criticized a lot for that like stop being a big baby
0: he seems like a real jackass (laughs) just just a real
1: jackass all the way around during the cold war because he didn't die until the 60s i think so he was still himself writing comics during the cold war uh, eventually he died and the comics continued on but while he was still alive he was his anti-communist beliefs were coming out in full force so he had daddy warbucks and annie hunting commies and they just you know very blatant
0: literally hunting
1: people <laughs> Huh? Yes, hunting people for sport. I didn't I couldn't find many more details on, you know, hunting commies, but uh that was the wording I found and uh it seems pretty self explanatory. i w I it'd be I'd be curious to know the uh the actual storyline
0: behind that, but other than inspiring kids to snitch out their friends for potentially being communists.
1: Yeah. Uh. Exactly. So <laughs> this guy just kinda sucks.
0: He's the worst. As yeah. as far as authors have gone, he so far he is my least favorite that we've
1: covered. Yeah, he's like you said, a jackass. Uh, he seems like someone who would be on Facebook in the in the comments playing devil's advocate with people.
0: Yes, he would have his own horrible YouTube show. <laughs> uh, I'm picturing like he. This is Ben Shapiro. I was picturing Ben Shapiro's grandpa. <laughs> and, like more curmudgeon.
1: The, the two of
0: them teaming up to just really ruin everybody's day (laughs) (laughs) these
1: are so popular i just you gotta wonder you know but i don't know so then this brings us to the 1977 broadway musical which takes many different turns away from the comic as expected because this is the one most of us are more familiar with and it's not much like the comic at all uh it was Created by lyricist Martin Charnin uh, with the book by Thomas Meehan and composer Charles Strauss. And basically the comic was the inspiration from which they only really took Annie Warbucks and Sandy, the dog, and left behind the rest of it. They didn't take Miss Asthma or Punjab. (laughs) Miss
0: Asthma? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't believe Miss Asthma didn't make the Broadway musical. (laughs)
1: Uh, I I do wonder if like maybe she was a smoker or something and that's why they called her that. And, <laughs> I don't know. That's my only guess. She just
0: has emphysema.
1: <laughs> oh jeez. <asthma>. <laughs> uh. uh. I gotta wonder. Mm. Um, the only comic I could find that had Miss Asthma in it just had her as like a mean lady, you know, not nothing specific to breathing problems. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, man. But during the period that this one was being written, it also, uh, the time period had a role in how it all panned out. Because it was during the Vietnam War under Nixon, and the whole mood of America was pretty pessimistic. And so they did a more optimistic take on Annie, and the, ultimately was where we probably got the most iconic song of the musical, and also you could say among the most iconic show tunes of all time, "Tomorrow."
0: Oh yeah, I love. Yeah, that. it's it's. I don't know um, why I said it like that, but <laughs> I was like enthusiasm. Wow. I was I was gonna sing it, and then I was like, no, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, support uh, it. I had to like really quash it it's like inside of me as soon as you said tomorrow i wanted to bust it out it's just so good uh, the mus- i
1: mean the music in this musical is just top tier broadway it's it's great
0: really for real there are so many i was trying to like think of all the songs in my head right now and i'm like there's just so many really good songs
1: full of bangers just full of them but in the okay, so in the comics, I uh, I didn't mention this, but they had a Mrs. Warbucks who hated Annie and would try to get rid of her at any damn can't. it. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking course they do.
1: Yeah, she was, and she was a kind oh. of nouveau riche person, and so she was very snobby and whatever. So she just there's there's this one plot where Mr. Warbucks goes away on business, and Mrs. Warbucks just takes annie back to the orphanage she's like get out of here uh and so they don't have a mrs warbucks in the musical uh which is uh, good she's
0: good does. thank you that's the worst possible character out of all of these horrible characters is the horrible yeah. rich bitch who hates orphans <laughs> Uh. instead you
1: have you know the grumpy the initially grumpy mr warbucks who eventually you know grumpus with a heart of gold trope where you know eventually annie grows on him because he has his own trauma and whatever and yeah anyway so instead they have grace his personal assistant and she is also his love interest later on so there's an element of romance and whatever but then, of course, Miss Asthma is replaced by Miss Hannigan. And then Hannigan's brother, Rooster, and his girlfriend, Lily St. Regis, are characters in this as well. So there's some characters kind of swapped out and everything. And then the orphans, the other the other orphans other than Annie, are also characters in their own way. Not super developed and everything, but they have names. There's like Pepper and Duffy and Molly, the little baby. And as far as I can tell, there was no job and no The Asp included in the stage production no evidence of them being in that but a lot of the more blatantly conservative political statements weren't included in the musical but it is interesting to note that warbucks and grace are kind of the adult protagonists so not you know aside from annie whereas the hannigans and lily saint regis are portrayed as absolute low-lifes and so i feel the sentiment is work hard and you'll be successful like that's still kind of baked in there from the comics, right? And also, just it's it's the '70s. It's kind of that's kind of the, the mood. And so, uh, but there's also there is one semi-political thing in there, and it's not political because it's more historical. Because this is what like 40 years after the Great Depression. Um, So it's not really that political anymore, so much as it's a historical fact. But there's a scene where Warbucks takes Annie to D.C. to meet with FDR with him, and Annie helps FDR convince Warbucks to be in favor of the New Deal. And they do that by all together singing a reprise of Tomorrow.
0: See, this is... I... I wished that Gray was alive to see that just to be infuriated by it yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the most uh, fitting punishment for him is to have his work of art praise the New Deal <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> Yeah yep
0: <laughs> uh, And
1: so to, to kind of sum up the original stage musical, it was immensely successful ran for many years, won a lot of awards. it's very iconic and also just as a side note, Sarah Jessica Parker once starred as Annie on Broadway. She wasn't the original one, but she was just, she was one of the replacements. And just, I wish you could
0: have seen what my face did when I heard you say
1: that. <laughs> what, what did your face <laughs>
0: do? Lit up. I got <laughs> so excited by that. I love SJP and I love seeing her as like in my head as Annie.
1: Yeah. Well, I-, I I am curious i haven't looked this up yet but i I want to dig and see if i can find a picture a video anything of her as annie because i think that'd be cute
0: sarah jessica parker please email the podcast and send us a video of you playing annie
1: (laughs) gotta be a picture somewhere (laughs) (laughs) um and so this brings us to the 1982 movie the worst version of the musical just that is a fact objectively
0: Objectively, but I will say that I absolutely love Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan. Oh, yeah. yeah, that is. She is the shining star I, out of this for me.
1: She is second only to Kathy Bates for me, but also valid because she is she is very funny. She adds a certain level of comedy to it that I think is is fun. Oh, and and of course Tim Curry is pretty good, but
0: she's just such a talented physical comedian that like it's she is. just. It plays so well in Miss Hannigan. With
1: like the things she does with her voice
0: at times. Yes, the I'm um, I, I just think it's so iconic when she sings "Little Girls." Oh yeah, that thrills me. <laughs> I mean,
1: it did have a really good cast, just in general, because it had Carol Burnett, Albert Finney, Jeffrey Holder, Bernadette Peters, and Tim Curry, and so it, that's despite- a stellar cast. He's a stellar cast. Also, the lady who plays Grace, who I just—I didn't know her that well, so I didn't include her on the list. I don't remember her name. If you're a fan of her, you know. No offense. I, I simply do not know
0: her. <laughs> I don't know this man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, a Kiki Palmer moment for you. Uh, uh, but that is
0: my favorite clip of all time. Like I
1: think about it all the time. I
0: think about it constantly. Sorry to
1: this, <laughs> Sorry to this woman. Uh, I just there's only audra mcdonald for me and you of course you're the you're the um other grace that I, <laughs> I
0: support i'm the other grace that you'll accept
1: yeah yeah you and audra mcdonald the only ones but it did poorly both critically and commercially so it was not as good as i think they thought it was going to be so first of all the original musical takes place at christmas whereas this one takes place around the fourth of july so that right off the bat a little different different mood and i could tell because when i started i haven't seen it since so when my middle school did a production of it i uh the theater director choral director guy was also the music teacher and so in music class he had us all watch that version of annie and so that was the first and only time I had seen it up until earlier today when I watched it. So I didn't really remember much from it. But it, I noticed immediately, like, this is summertime. This isn't winter like the one I'm used to. And so it just a different mood. Second of all, they cut and added a bunch of songs. Some of which were to the detriment of it. Such as they replaced the lovely and iconic song nyc with let's go to the movies or that whole thing
0: i love the nyc song so i can't believe they left it out of that yeah there's no problem with it it's just such a good song it's like uh, again everything from the original musical is like such a bop and i don't know why you would ever change it
1: yeah i think they did also though add in dumb dog which i think has been added to other versions of it but i don't think was in the original musical version. I didn't get quite a clear idea of that. So, you know, some some good, some bad. But, third of all, they brought back Punjab. Why? At, for no reason. For no reason they brought back Punjab. No one needed this. But also, he's played by Jeffrey Holder, a black man. So, non-white people are interchangeable is the lesson. Great. Yeah. I mean, Jeffrey Holder's really talented. And they really played up the mysticism of it.
0: I was gonna say, I don't rem I haven't seen this version in a really long time, but the only- I remember Punjab being in it, but I only remember that he dances, like, when she first arrives there. But I don't remember anything else that he does.
1: He does various things. Well, there's one thing I will get to that he does do, but he- he acts as the bodyguard just like in the comics, but he also just does a lot of- weird magic things such as when she first arrives there with sandy sandy's you know barking and you know being a dog and he just waves his hand and sandy just starts behaving yeah he's (laughs) he's magical uh so that's an interesting thing but there's also some interesting plot differences so there's one scene on the first night annie is there sandy keeps barking at something and it turns out a Bolshevik is there trying to bomb the house, and when Annie asks Grace why someone would try to kill Warbucks, Grace is like, well, Annie, Mr. Warbucks is living proof that the American system works, and some people try to keep that quiet.
0: I just slammed my head into a brick wall.
1: <laughs> I I, uh, I had to rewind it and watch that again. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, oh,
0: man, I don't remember that at all, and uh... <laughs>
1: 80s moment there um uh. yeah well and so that's that's one thing that punjab does is that there is a bomb that someone throws in and then he grabs it and does this very artful throw back out into the yard and you know gets rid of the bomb and and then warbucks is like acting like nothing's wrong like this is just a normal thing for him and then the guy the bolshevik is captured and he's is singing this some kind of revolution song And my God, what a, what a moment. What? Um, what, Why? They really put that in for no reason.
0: (laughs) How does that serve a plot at all other than to illustrate that Daddy Warbucks is such a horrible person that people try to kill him frequently?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, you, you gotta think that he's kind of the equivalent of the era that this takes place in. He's kind of the equivalent of like a Carnegie type. And so, a Carnegie? not a great guy they're not a great guy at all so you have to imagine that despite him softening to annie he's probably not that great Uh, i have to imagine he himself like his creator is anti-union
0: right and they probably have workers in their employee who do not have great things to say about them so uh
1: things that make you go hmm (laughs) and another big plot thing is that at the end Rooster and Lily actually do manage to kidnap Annie disguised as her parents and with Miss Hannigan's help Annie tries to escape and Rooster decides he's going to try and kill her and he and she climbs up onto a bridge trying to get away from him and there's this whole big long rescue scene and on top of that Miss Hannigan decides at the last second that child murder is where she draws the line and goes after rooster screaming, She's just a baby!
0: Don't kill her!
1: Blah, blah, blah! I won't let you kill her! And it's just so melodramatic compared to the tone of the rest of the movie and all previous versions of it.
0: Also, I'm going to say that if if Miss Hannigan were a real character... And everything that she's shown us so far, she would not draw the line at child murder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she is
1: out, she's outright abusive. She is, you know, if you think about it, if she was drunk in that scene, then maybe that's the case. Cause, cause, but the whole time, though, she does talk about how she'd love to just kill those kids. She's yeah. like, ah, I, I can't wait to just, you know, not, murder them. Not be driven in, and in
0: little girls.
1: Yeah, like she would love to just, just murk them, but... Uh, just as for some reason, they give her a weird redemption arc at the last second. And she stops Tim Curry from killing that baby. Uh, and it's just so unnecessarily dramatic <laughs> for, no, for no reason. And so I think, and also, this movie is over two hours long. <laughs> it has no business being that long. I was long. gonna
0: say, um, there's not enough plot to fill out that runtime. No, and so th- I think that
1: is where it did bad critically. People were like, this is too long. What has happened?
0: Especially <laughs> if you... Robert. I know that, like, now people go to see movies that are based on musicals because they love the musicals. Except for, in the case of Cats, when they go to hate on it. But normally <laughs> you go because it's something you're already familiar with. Songs you already know and love. Like, a plot that you know. So to go and see it, like extended have some songs that you love cut out and have weird elements thrown in that don't really drive the plot forward it's like what why Why, why would like what's this is going to be a letdown for anybody who's already experienced the musical
1: and the original musical was such a phenomenon that it's not like it was only known by theater fans you know annie was a huge deal and so it was a familiar enough, enough thing for most people that, you know, this was, it just seemed bizarre. And, and maybe it was them trying to incorporate elements of the comics, especially with Punjab. Clearly that was that, since he wasn't in the musical initially. But it just, you know, it didn't quite make sense. But then we have bah, 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 the 1999 ABC production. So this was yeah. a TV production, but it wasn't just a, you know, made for weird made-for-TV thing. It was coming right off of the success of ABC's version of Cinderella in 1997, as in the one was Brandy.
0: The which best was, one. The best really. one. It's so good. And, like, th- that was
1: very successful. And so Disney kind
0: of... Was Joe that Dice, Bernadette Peters also?
1: Yes, also Bernadette oh. Peters. She is making
0: appearances. She redeemed herself with ABC's Cinderella. Yeah, well, she was good.
1: Like, the cast in the old one, in the old movie was good i would say except for daddy warbucks perhaps he was too angry for me in that one but anyway 1999 here we are disney had a good time with cinderella on abc and so they decided to make a version of annie and this personally is the one i grew up with and clearly the one you grew up with and
0: i think i got it for christmas the year that it came out on vhs i think it was a christmas present for me
1: we definitely had it on VHS. I don't remember if it was a Christmas present though.
0: So, right in line with our whole theme here. Yeah, cuz this one goes back
1: to being at Christmas time, which makes more sense because
0: I just feel like it's the content makes sense with Christmas.
1: Yeah. So, it was this one was so much more successful. Uh, it won 2 Emmys and a Peabody award, and it also has a powerhouse cast. But this time just with the the better production to match it. So we have Victor Garber Jr., Audrey McDonald, Kathy Bates, Alan Cumming, Kristen Chenoweth, and with a cameo by the woman who originated the role of Annie on Broadway as the NYC lady.
0: That's awesome. Yeah,
1: is very cool. And also, among the orphans, we have Lelaine, who millennials out there will know as Miranda from Lizzie McGuire. Yes, yes, yes. And then as the littlest orphan, Molly, we have the tiniest little Sarah Highland. I was watching it and I was like, I know that person. (laughs) Who is that? And I looked up and it's Sarah Highland. And she's just so tiny in that movie. She had to have been maybe somewhere between five and seven years old.
0: I think she was probably seven maybe when they filmed it. Because I think she and I are the same age. And uh, I would have been like eight in 99 so okay
1: yeah so probably about seven but she's like very good for a seven-year-old because molly is the heart of the orphans i would say
0: molly is like the thing you protect she's the little sister she's the the precious thing you gotta stand on guard for so yeah and that's why she she needs to be sweet
1: the main difference i would say this one stuck to the story of the original musical way more than the 82 version so no punjab no bolsheviks no kidnapping and it takes place at christmas they they did though cut out the scene where they went to dc and met with fdr which makes sense you know fdr makes a little appearance at the end so i would say that disney was trying to make this as inoffensive as possible because it's disney and sure. they just wanted to keep it very streamlined and wholesome in every way that they define wholesome, but uh, I would say the key difference is that the character of Annie is less scrappy and more sweet compared to all other versions, which is fine. It's pretty on-brand for Disney, I guess. It just makes sense that Disney would also just want to make it less explicitly political. They did, though, have a more diverse cast. In 1999, not bad, you know, a pretty good thing. Uh, The orphans were ethnically diverse, and they cast Audra McDonald as Grace, but we can't give Disney too much credit because we know we know they're bad in the end scene where uh daddy warbucks proposes to grace the studio initially wanted them to reshoot that scene because they didn't think it would be appropriate to have a white man proposing to a black woman
0: are you freaking kidding me
1: no audrey mcdonald said this in an interview just a few years ago but the cast was so against it and they did do the reshoot but victor garber intentionally just bungled it and made the reshoot so bad that they couldn't use it.
0: <laughs> he's and a champion.
1: He's a he's a good egg. He's he's a good guy. I I love him, um, and I love Audrey McDonald. And so ultimately, the scene was left in as is. They they still have their their romance, but they they were going to take it out. So in
0: 1999, this was not that long ago. I was going to say in 1999, like it should not be that outrageous to have an interracial couple on right anything like. It's it's almost the new millennium. Like you're gonna get upset about an interracial couple. Yeah, well, like
1: this is also even after this. I think it was in the early two thousands where they had that Cheerios commercial with an interracial couple, and there was a huge uproar about that. So, you know, people people are uh, racist, including Disney. Yep. So then that brings us to twenty fourteen. There was a remake of it. Produced by Will Smith and Jay Z, uh, there were some plot changes, but generally just the same story, but adapted to the modern day.
0: Wait, um, Jay Z was involved with this? Yes, that makes absolute sense because of uh, his "Hard Knock Life" remix. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. He, that, loved, that mix- make-
0: he, he loved that musical. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> hmm. Let's something to it. Um. But uh. But yeah. Originally, they were gonna have Will Smith's daughter Willow play Annie, but that obviously didn't isn't what ended up happening they had Kvangiene Wallace play her and this movie did not do well critically it was it, it did i think it did okay at the box office but but just had very bad reception from reviewers and a lot of them and i would agree with this say that the cast is lovable but the issue was in kind of the production and the the plot and also maybe the music so they had Jamie Foxx and Kvangiene Wallace and Rose Byrne as sort of the main three, and they were all great. I love them, personally, but I think a lot of... I read a review that said it just kind of wasn't quite sure what it wanted to be, and I felt that was pretty accurate. I mean, it was enjoyable, but it was just kind of, I think, wanting to both be the original and something different at the same time.
0: That makes sense. I haven't seen it, so... Okay. This one is, like, the only version I haven't seen ever,
1: so... I saw it in theaters, because I was really excited about it, and it was, I think, I guess my hot take about why it didn't do so well is that because, so, it's one thing to have a very depressing plotline of an impoverished orphan in the 1930s, where we are kind of removed from it, and then make it this happy, hopeful musical, And it's another thing to have it in the modern day where it's, you know, the foster system that's shitty and, you know, it's, it's, we're less removed from it now. And so these are real current issues. And then on top of that, I don't know that people in 2014 slash currently buy as much into the thing that, you know, there's a billionaire that will just take in an orphan and, and come around and you know suddenly become a warm person
0: we've uh we've grown really tired of one billionaire pretending to give a shit about other people i feel like even if a real life billionaire took in an orphan child we would just think it was a pr grab and be upset about it like If if Elon Musk suddenly adopted five orphan children, I would just be like, oh, it's because he needs to rebuild his image, not because he genuinely cares.
1: Yeah, and I would say that if Elon Musk did that, I would be very worried for those children. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Specifically him, but also like Jeff Bezos, you know, many other, I I don't feel that they're necessarily well-adjusted people.
0: And- And obviously taking in as many orphans as you can house doesn't solve the foster system, doesn't solve the fact that kids are living in poverty. It's just not a message that appeals in this day and age. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I, and, you know, I think also the idea of Miss Hannigan, because when you, when you make, when you take Miss Hannigan and update her to the modern day, she really gives off a welfare queen trope and that that trope of someone who is kind of gaming the foster system there are people there are bad people out there that are horrible to their foster children but i think just the the idea like i was talking about earlier how the lower income people are portrayed as bad gold digging people and the rich people are the good guys i just don't think plays as well today
0: uh yeah it's just like the message of, I am a rich person because I knew how to spend my time better, not because of anything that fell down in my path, like, not because of my advantages did I make it this far, it's because I was better than the people who were at the bottom. It's just, ugh, I don't, I don't like it. Don't like yeah.
1: it. I th- I think they tried to update something that might just not be able to be updated, and it's at no fault of Jamie Foxx or Quvenzhane Wallace, because they both did really, really well in this movie.
0: It also seems sort of like just knowing that Jay Z was involved with this, I think, changes the way I feel about it because it seems like Jay Z was trying to like make himself the good guy. Like I, I would, I would say that he probably relates most with Daddy Warbucks in this scenario. Like yeah, I mean, Because has- the, J- the Jay-Z story is kind of similar to that of like being a self-made person who started out, you know, from the bottom and then made an empire and now has, you know, all of these business ventures and has all this money. He probably sees himself as Daddy Warbucks, so he's probably too sympathetic with that character or puts too much power in his hands just... Because it's how he sees himself, sort of.
1: That's very possible, I think. Because, you know, of course, and that that is an interesting point in general, that any version of this at th- at the top of production is going to be very rich people. And so ultimately, the plot is going to be influenced by the way they see the world. And in this case, the way they see the world is that rich people can be good, actually. And, and by rich, I, of course, I mean like richer than God, rich, you know. I, right, I... you
0: can start with nothing, build an empire, and marry the most wonderful woman on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and yeah. cheat on her. Oh, let's never forgive him. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. For some
1: reason, I thought you were talking about, like, great. I was too stuck in Annie. I was like, when did daddy warbucks cheat on grace um no, but no talking, you're talking about, about beyonce.
0: i'm talking about beyonce yeah
1: yeah so i just mixed feelings it's not a bad movie it's just i think when you think about it too hard it like when you think about any version of annie too hard it gets bad because you know the root of it was very it was very anti-union anti-equality propaganda more or Pro less.
0: pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality.
1: Yes. And so that is just baked into it from the start. And like at every turn there has been efforts to make it better, make it more optimistic, make it more diverse, but it's still at the root of it, that's what it is. And I think that's that's the the key
0: problem here. Yeah. I just feel like you can you can put a pretty face on it if you want, but beyond that, it's still sort of gross at the center and I think it's easier to look past that stuff when it takes place in the 1930s so much more so than it is to think okay if this was happening right now I would be like very against it
1: yeah you know yeah it's just what happens when you think too hard about Annie
0: but there's one thing that they can never make bad about Annie and it's that dope soundtrack yeah, it's
1: just it's good they're good songs they're kind of what I think of when I think of, like, classic Broadway is songs from Annie. Uh, I know that it kind of gets more classic than that. You know, Broadway existed before that. But in my mind, that is sort of what I think of.
0: Nope. It began, in, it began <laughs> <Broadway> with Annie. Broadway <laughs> was invented in
1: 1997. <laughs> so uh, that, that is that on that. But we do have some announcements because this is our last episode of the year. And so... Uh, Next week in 2021, we're going to be starting on a new series of Star Wars episodes. We're going to have a four-part Star Wars series where we cover each trilogy and then everything else. And so get ready for that. We're really changing course here.
0: (laughs) We're starting the new year by going a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Yes, we are
1: getting off of Earth because we don't want to be on
0: Earth. Yeah, take take me yeah. with you. <laughs> so uh please um, tune in for that.
1: Please like and subscribe and follow and all that stuff.
0: Right. We have an, we have a Twitter now. It's you can follow us at RYC Pod. We're also on Facebook now. And as always, we still have our email that we welcome you to send any suggestions, thoughts, comments. If you wanna trash us for being so rough on annie (laughs) go for it we welcome it we welcome any interaction so uh
1: and we are very serious about the suggestions because we have some unfilled slots uh for episodes in february that we are looking to fill so if you have something the time is now (laughs) (laughs) yeah act now please so uh thank you for listening and good riddance good riddance Thank you.